Hey everybody, this is the Machination Log, recorded September 11th, 2016, never forget. In the virtual studio today, we have Alicia for the first time over the airwaves. Alicia, say hi and tell us who you are. Hi, I'm Alicia. I do a lot of things uh, in a lot of different contexts. And I think today we're focusing on uh, using systems to be more efficient or be a better person. Alicia, would you say you have tried systems in the past to improve yourself? I've tried enough of them that people are always asking me for for more of them when they run into a problem. So, so you are the guru of them around where you're at? Yeah, I wish I wasn't because I haven't found a single one that really works. Yeah, but. I think that'll probably be... I mean, Fans of the Mac log are probably aware that I am a huge fan of systems. Alicia and I seem to be kindred spirits on this. Um, we do. I, my my tolerance on any given system is about four days to a week, at which point it falls off completely. But for the first three days, they're all fantastic. They all seem to work so well. Uh, Alicia, yeah. I don't know what your tolerance is, but uh, uh, I can usually get about three weeks in if I can if I can get through this setup. Uh, then I can I can usually keep it running for about three weeks. Jesus Christ, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that's not yeah. even fair. Yeah, but it's it's worth it because you do get that uh, boost at the beginning yeah. for whatever reason. Absolutely, no. It's just it, I think it's just the thrill of the process. You get to discover <laughs> a new thing. It's kind of what I like about board games is learning new rules and abiding by those rules. <laughs> but. So Alicia and I are more or less on the same page. We keep trying out everybody's various. We can make a list of the systems. We're both mostly familiar with all the ones anyone's ever heard of since you just you run out eventually. The secret weapon being a popular one, but even just forms of to-do lists and time full and all these random. I don't know if you want to throw anything on that bonfire, Alicia, that's worked well, for you I, in the past. Yeah. Um, there's one called... Um there's a GTV implementation called Midnight Inbox that was really good for a little while. That made me insane. Insanely productive, but also crazy, because I never took more than, like, two minutes off of working. It was good because I had a job and I was working on my thesis, so I really <laughs> I needed to spend those three weeks just... That sounds good to me. I don't know. <laughs> but we are here... And frankly, this took way too long to come into fruition. The podcast has been around for over a year, and I constantly talk about systems, and I didn't have an actual systematized way to talk about them. But now, Alicia, now that you're in the room, in this e-room, we're going to start a sort of irregular podcast segment here where we try out different systems. I haven't come up with a catchy name for it yet. But I'll give you the floor. Alicia, what is the first system we are piloting? Uh, Right now we're trying the Daily uh, Grid Balancer by David Sia. He makes a lot of productivity tools. Um, Most of them are pen and paper. He has a few that are online. Um, And some of them are really great. I have one right here, which is the Emergent Task Planner, which is my favorite. I continually go back to this one. Um, We'll put a picture of that up on the website. Yeah, I'll take a picture. The... um, you, uh, his systems mostly have to do with identifying what the most important pieces of what you're doing are and um, like sticking with those and focusing on those, which is a really useful approach to anything you're doing, obviously. 
Um, he has one for evaluating whether or not you're spending your time appropriately on your business to yield like the biggest results. Um, and th this one seems a little different though, because it seems a little more totalizing to me um, because of the way that the grid is set up to try to bring balance. I think balance is an interesting challenge for someone whose strength is, uh, you know, focusing on only the important things. Workaholism. Yeah. Yeah. No, this, this, <laughs> the, uh, the daily grid balancer or DGB, which actually I guess is an acronym, isn't that, or an initialism isn't really all that much easier to say. This is one of the most complicated <laughs> things I've seen in this in this universe of scheduling systemization. Because normally when you do this, the key is to make it simple enough that you'll actually stick with the damn thing. Because if you have to put time into the bureaucracy, it just falls apart. Um, and this one, this one I have a feeling is going to get sticky. Uh, there are categories for every day, and it's got little, basically, uh, tetrominoes all over it, full of uh, squares that say things like home, health, happy, converse, create, and sleep. And those are all good categories, but I am, I will say at the outset, I'm skeptical of how well I'm going to follow this, because I tend to have a very <laughs> lopsided, um, not even necessarily in the direction of work, but like I, I'm bad at having a balanced life. I just, I'm yeah. not good at that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I think um, that was one of the things that we noticed when we were first becoming friends is that we both tend to like be like, okay, well, you know, I found this thing. I, d I discovered this, um, like me with crochet recently, right? I'm going to spend the next like 10 days just doing crochet. Like I'm just going to sit here and do crochet. I'm going to make a lot. I'm going to learn a lot. I'm going to learn a lot really fast, but there's no room for anything else in my life right now. Yeah. Well, that, and I, I pick something, and for four days, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. So mine's not quite as long, but it is equally intense. Yeah. It's, um, no, this, uh, but I'm willing to give this a shot. Uh, we agreed that we're going to work on it for two weeks. They're weekly planners, so that'll effectively be two weeks of it, and then we'll check back in, and we'll see what the hell's going on with it. And we'll probably actually have something meaningful and insightful to say at that point, since at the moment, all I have is a bunch of stuff written into the to-do list. Um, and we'll see if any yeah. of that gets done. And the, the only problem I'm having so far while I'm thinking about it is that the categories are really broad um, and not very concrete, right? So it's going to be hard for me to decide what goes in which category. Um, so like converse and create obviously are work tasks, um, like while you're at, uh, because of the kind of work he does, which is creative work. Um, yeah, it's a little it's a little biased in favor of freelancy positions, certainly. Yeah, which I mean should be fine for me, but I've been trying to cut down on the number of meetings I have during the day. So I guess everything's going to end up in the create column, or I don't know. Do emails count as converse? I, uh, I would think so. A very meager form of conversing, certainly. <laughs> But then I'm going to get to the end of the day and I'm, I'm going to have to decide whether to spend my happy on studying or talking to people. That is the scariest thing I've heard you say in a month. <laughs> Spending your happy. That's just yeah. a creep. Also, I like that his, uh, his happy squares, he has, there are more than 24 hour blocks on this thing, which presumably is so that you can expand certain categories into other, uh, you, you will have to look at a picture. This will also, I'll put this up on the website, this, because without context, what I'm saying doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but there are only two squares in the middle of every day for happy. So apparently yeah. he has a very finite supply of happiness you're allowed to expend. 
where um I guess that's for watching TV or something. Yeah, maybe. There um, are there are not uh, despite how complex this is, he gives essentially no indication how to use this chart. Totally. Totally. I think we're supposed to fill them in per hour. Like if you look at this emergent task planner, um which makes your point about workaholism because every 4 hours you get something called mid-break optional. Um, the number of times that I've ignored that, you know, many, many times. Yeah. And then uh, in another four hours, you get late break optional. Um, but it goes in 15-minute segments, and you can actually get, like, he has a little timer on his website, so you can, like, fill it. Every 15 minutes, it'll ping you um, so that you can say whether or not you're doing it, and you kind of bubble it in. Uh, which is really useful when I can't concentrate at all. And maybe when you can't concentrate, but I was going to say, as someone who is a fan of the time timer, uh, which is, for those who don't know it, is just, it's a 60-minute timer. You can put it to any amount between 1 and 60. And it's nice because it has a spatial reference in the middle of it where it shows you uh, a red circle that goes down. It's a very physical, spatial way to understand how much time you have. And I think it's I think it's absolutely worth the money. But you can drive yourself stark raving mad using it all day because you don't yeah. let your brain actually like settle at any point and it gets very dangerous midnight inbox was like it it had like that uh that inbox zero ideal which is this idea that um that all like you you need to have a single inbox for all of your incoming stuff like messages um tasks etc and you have to sort it down to zero and it's it's like a a serious theme in a lot of these systems right like you've encountered that probably a million yeah. times oh no i've i've used the zero inbox scheme before yeah and i've i i took at least one of those with me which is that i don't let anything linger if someone sends me something i attempt to respond as rapidly as possible to make sure that none of that stuff accretes yeah yeah totally that and that's foundational to GTD is you do tasks that don't take a lot of time immediately. Um, that gets versus, that gets dangerous because yeah. you leave a lot of. I mean, not to pull, not to pull my side work into this, but uh, Alicia and I are working on a joint project of NDA clandestine. I don't actually know if we have any <laughs> non-disclosure agreements on it, but I, no, I would I rather have not to actually get you to sign one. Yeah, no, that's fine. I won't. We won't talk about what we're doing in any detail. Yeah. But uh, part yeah. of the reason I. I have trouble working on that, at least in the current leg we're on, is precisely because what I need to do is big strides that are hard yeah. to break down into those little things that you're supposed to get done immediately, that are satisfying yeah. to get done. Yeah. I mean, that's also my fault, because my job should probably be to help with that. There's not, there's not much you can... This is, this is the hard part. Like, we're, we're at the... And I, I'll shut up about this in 20 seconds, A, because I'm not supposed to talk about it, and B, because it, it can't be interesting to people who don't have the context. But it's just... Yeah. We're, we're at a point where it's just tough. It's, it's tough to make progress. This is the, this is the make-or-break month, basically, is whether yeah. or not we get to the end of this month with something. But that's, yeah. that's more than enough non-information for the other people out there. <laughs> I, I, I hear that. Yeah. But- uh, yeah, with Midnight Inbox, what we had was, <clears throat> what it does is it, it takes all of um, your emails and your files, and um, I feel like it pulls from one, one other place, but I can't remember, and it puts it all into one big Well, your calendar thing. stuff, too? Probably. Yeah. I don't know. I don't remember, uh, because they haven't updated it in a while, so 
um, which is the only reason I'm not using it. Um, but it's literally, you have to be so dedicated because every hour you, um, or every once in a while, whatever your schedule is, you go through, you review the inbox, you sort it all into tasks according to like their, their project, right? Whatever like world they belong in, whether it's like a specific work project or a home project or, you know, things like, um, paying your bills or whatever. And you, um, it, it all comes in one place and you sort it out into the different projects and you use that to start getting things done. You tell it what task you're working on when you're working on it. And um, every once in a while, it'll ping you to be like, hey, are you still doing that thing? It looks like you're using an application that hey. you didn't approve hey. for this thing. Hey. Yeah. Hey, how's and it going? If, if you don't, <laughs> yeah. And so you can't really get off task for more than two minutes if you switch applications to the wrong application. After two minutes, it's like, it is really serious about pulling you back in. And um, it was, yeah, when I was using it, I was working, I was probably, the mo that was probably the most productive I've ever been in my life. <laughs> I, <laughs> what happened? I, I uh, finished my thesis. Oh, and then you and stopped using it? I did not care anymore. Because you just become this inhuman like execution machine where you're literally just doing what needs to be done yeah and yeah i mean that's always a real problem for me with these schedules is that i overload them really that's why i can't do like a conventional calendar where i just say okay during this time i'm going to be doing this and that time i'm going to be doing that um, yeah, that's that's mostly a non-starter for me. It's part of the reason that a to I mean, I have a calendar so that I can write things down that are time sensitive. That I just I can't do it until this day, and it needs to be done in this day. It's fine for that. But otherwise, my my actual favorite scheduling program my is just a straight up to do list where I just write everything down that I want to get done on a given day, and I either do or don't get it done. And I just I love your to do list. Yeah. They're always really entertaining to read. There's always something surprising on them. <laughs> well, Alicia, I think we've covered what our objective is for the next two weeks. Do you want to cover anything else about this or expand into another topic of some kind? Or do we just want to wrap this up? Oh, well, I just wanted to say that it, the only time that a conventional schedule worked for me is um, when I was doing Uberman. So I wonder if, uh, or every man, I, I never did Uberman. I was going to say Uberman is, I didn't think you had done that. <laughs> yeah. Describe every but, man. Um, so it's, you do, I think three hours of core sleep, um, three or 4.5 hours of core sleep. And then you have your naps distributed throughout the day. And it's nice because you get a little more flexibility with the naps, um, than you normally do on, um, what, what polyphasic sleep schedules. And, um, yeah, it's, it's really good. It was awesome for me to be on a schedule, like a, have a more conventional calendar while I was doing that because you could wake up, um, like every time you woke up, it was like you had a new mini day. So I basically had four hours to just do focus singularly on whatever task, then I'd go to sleep, wake up, and then four hours for the next one. It ruined my social life. Oh, most polyphasic uh, sleep schedules do. It's weird because it doesn't. It doesn't necessarily seem like it should do that. I mean, by by virtue of my job, if I were to do polyphasic sleep, which I don't presently do, I take naps on occasion. But uh, uh, 
in the past when I've done it, somehow it still screws up social interaction, despite the fact that I was getting that sleep at a time when everybody was at work. Like for whatever <laughs> reason, it just, it messes with it. Yeah. It makes it hard to get in contact with people. Are you polyphasic right now? What's your sleep no. schedule right now? No, I'm trying. My sleep schedule right now is try to be in bed by 10 and, <laughs> and wake up in the morning before nine. Because when I wake up at like around, when I wake up later in the day, I literally wake up and go straight to work, which is the worst. Yeah. Like it's not good for me, especially because winter's coming. So as the uh, day starts later and later, then like I'll wake up, it'll be light out and I'll start working and I won't um, stop working until it's dark. Uh, and that's really horrible for <laughs> all of your, all of your sunlit hours to go right to working and uh, like often I'll just kind of come to and be like, Oh, it's dark out. <laughs> like, yeah, no, that's, that is terrible. That's like, that's like waking up and it being dark outside. It's just, not, yeah. Yeah. It's so fun. I just have to get it right before I do that. But what I'm interested in here is what draws us to using these systems. I think it's because we're trying to like regulate ourselves and there are, okay. I have a couple theories. One is that it has to be like sufficiently interesting like, if it's not interesting or amped up enough, um, then we can't do it. Like, when I'm trying to learn something, I usually start with something that's way out of my range. Like, way too hard for me to understand. Um, basically impossible. And I do that two or three times before I start with the basics. And it's not a good uh, process. It's to be shocking and difficult. Um, because... Uh, you know, I've kind of been in emergency mode for long enough that if something isn't an emergency, I can't pay attention. It just to gets it. drowned out. Yeah. Yeah. So I that could be one reason that we're interested in using these schedules and why we just need like this sh short, like sharp uh, shock of getting on one before we um, we can just regulate ourselves or get into a rhythm of doing what we need to do. Um. I guess that's my main theory about it. Okay. I, I still think a lot of my, I think a lot of the appeal of processes, and this would map quite well to just the fact that I have to rapid cycle through them, is that I like trying to fit my life into different schemes. Like that metagame is intrinsically satisfying, uh, regardless yeah. of what the scheme happens to be. I would rather it turn me into a machine because I am a machine, but even without that part of it, there's just, there's something I, as, as a lifelong fan of logic puzzles, that's like oh, my bread yeah. and butter. So. Well, I, I also enjoy how it falls apart and how like some of these systems have like explicit stated goals, but there's also, they also have like, intrinsic philosophies and goals, um, that, that aren't really always evident to you. So there, it's another way to experience somebody else's philosophy is to try their scheme. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. They're all still pretty like, uh, Valley, uh, driven, like, you know, it's not that different from trying Soylent. Um, you're going to have to describe what, what that is. Oh, it's a, it's a meal replacement, uh, drink. Um, it comes, uh, they're, they're making it with coffee in it now and they're making it in pre-mixed drink form, but basically you don't have to eat. You, be you can become like more, like all of the productivity 
that you spend on food, you no longer have to spend on food. You can just drink this thing and keep going. I, I and I think I have not encountered ahead. a version of that scheme that I can tolerate yet. Yeah. Like, I just can't. I can't do it. Lou gives me shit all the time for using food as a function rather than a form, but I, I do actually need to, like, enjoy my food. I, I can't. I can't just drink and everything. I can't just eat warrior bars, which are bad for you anyway. But I haven't actually specifically tried Soylent. But that that idea is like there's there's a part of that that I can appreciate because of the simplicity. But I cannot just get on board with that. I mean, you know that I mostly live on protein bars. Like you've been you've been no, in and house. you're indoctrinated. You have you have that under control. I do not. I can't do that. But. No, I just, I mean, I also don't like eating very much, but there's, um, which it makes it different. But I think there, there is a mentality about like cutting out everything else in your life so that you can be more productive. And even the day grid balancer, which we're trying, has this idea of like a balance between, um, you know, it brings up the phrase work-life balance, but there's nothing labeled work on the chart no so it has a philosophy like intrinsic in it like intrinsically where um you know first of all it's your responsibility as an individual to create this this life that you want that's like orderly and systematized and um you know it doesn't have to be that way there are a lot of other ways of living um and it's it's interesting to be exper- able to experiment with different ways of living and different like modes of of thought um, without having to travel. Uh, like you were talking about with the polyphasic sleep schedule, somehow messing with your social life even when you're not scheduling a, a nap in prime social hours, um, it's because you you start living in a different way when you try these things. Yeah. No, it's like it's like eating differently from other people. It's like enjoying things that they don't enjoy. It's determining who you hang out with based on what you're doing, which is the way uh, most people do that. I'm pretty sure it's you know a lot of people a lot of people would like to just have friends that they hang out with, but even just hanging out with people if you don't have those com- basic commonalities with it gets strained pretty rapidly, especially if you try to hang out with them on a regular basis. Um, I don't necessarily want to steer this into overly heavy territory unless we're, unless we're nearing the end of it. But do you think the need to throw all these schedules together is a way to mask working at actual like existential level goals? Or do you think it is a method of uncovering them? Because I find that I'm in a weird cross, not a crossroads. That's a, Poor use of that word. I find like I find that I can get to medium goals. I can get to slightly longer term goals. I can break those down and accomplish those using these schedules. But they are rarely the inspiration to work on a much larger level. And generally Mm -hmm. speaking, I find that they distract from that. And Mm -hmm. I'm curious if that's actually outweighing the benefits that they give. I don't know how that maps to your experience. Yeah, I don't know, because I think definitely part of the reason we like it is that it's hard to implement them. And so there's like an endorphin rush, which you could say you were using to cover up like a deeper 
problem, but sometimes it's just like getting a different perspective on what's going on in your life by like implementing a new system. Like when you're kind of getting stuck in a rut and you're like, um, you know, I don't really know what I'm going to do next. And I feel kind of like blah and everything seems to be falling apart. You like exercise like some great control and willpower and you focus all of it on this one thing. And it, um, it it puts you in a different state, which can be valuable for dealing with existential issues because the issues that you want to confront, like the bigger issues are ones that are there persistently right across, um, situations and across states. So then I think, um, it also can be valuable if like the, if your path is, um, doing something like meditating or, um, you know, I do a lot of journaling and a lot of journaling processes and things like that. So if that's what you're gunning for or working on on an existential level, or even if you have some great work you're producing, like a novel or whatever, you have to be pretty regimented to do that and have a job and have a family. Um, you know, it's, uh, you, have to, you have to have everything on pretty tight lock, just given the um, context we're living in. I don't think that's intrinsically true to the, that kind of work, but I think like if you have like a pretty regular job and a pretty regular family life and you have to, um, you have responsibilities to other people to be financially secure and so on and so forth that you, you need to be doing something extra um, to, to meet your, your, the, to be able to do the things that bring meaning and purpose into your life. But for most of those people, I get the impression, and maybe it's a false impression, that they use systems that are good enough. We mm-hmm. sort of insist on finding better systems mm-hmm. in a way that almost seems like it would be detrimental to that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, and I'm just curious if that, if, because it, it clearly makes a difference. If I were to just do the last one that I came up with that seemed okay and just stick with it, it would Ugh. it would be yeah like yeah no it's getting a shiver from across the way no it would be. I mean, for one thing, it would be unsatisfying in the logician's way that I that I look at the world. Um, but you lose you lose some degree of optimization out of that. But I wonder if you actually do gain a focus by ignoring that that we. I think we're just fated to not ever have because there's no, I mean, there's no way out of this. I don't, I don't persist in my valuation of things in my pursuit. They they don't last that long. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is, I read a book by Angela Duckworth called grit um, Mm -hmm. that talks about gritty people, people who stick with it. Um, there's two elements to grit. There is the ability, there is the the persistence and doggedness, but there's also simply not changing what you're pursuing for long enough to actually achieve it. And I mean, I'm curious if it's just that I I need to embrace the fact that I am a mid-term achiever, and I just have to have more checkpoints because these people who can stick with it, I just I'm not built that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's accurate. I think we're like nurtured by a broad range of experiences, and especially if we uh, get to work on building a skill, or we get to be like intellectually um, and physically engaged in whatever we're doing in some way. That um, 
that makes a big difference. Um, my um, So, like, with sketching, for example, <clears throat> I obviously want to improve my ability to sketch over time. And uh, at some point, I was just like, you know what? I, I'm not going to spend 12 hours on each drawing I do. Uh, like, I'll do that with, like, an oil painting or something. But, like, if I'm just, like, sketching, you know, like, I'm not interested in spending that long making sure every detail is perfect. So I was like, okay, man, you just have to get really fast. Like, you just have to be able to do this fast. Um, and, like, whatever you're doing, like, be able to do it in 30 seconds. And so that's, that's like, a skill that I'm developing. Like, rather than imagining that one day I'm somehow miraculously just going to be able to sit down and do the same thing. If I haven't been, like, moved by God to, you know, do that. Yeah. Um, and I find that actually most of my instincts and impulses uh rotate and when i start like lagging emotionally and spiritually like picking up something totally new is always good for me oh sir i absolutely 100 percent agree with that sometimes even if it is the method by which i pursue things that i was pursuing before that's just yeah. another version that's another version of shake upness totally so i think there's a spirit that's really um that's really valuable to doing that, like, um, at work, right? Like, I think that's, um, that's what I can contribute to the team. Like, that's what I bring to the table. Like, everybody else is, like, smarter than I am and, like, more conscientious than I am and they have better education than I am. But, like, I just try new things and I'm incapable of, uh, sitting there for six hours and doing, uh, data entry. Um, that makes me crazy. I can do it if it's, if it's absolutely <laughs> necessary and everything's just going to fall apart if I don't do this. Like, I can do it. But it's, like, it's so brutal. I would rather find a better way. I would rather find a way to import it. So... I mean, that, in all fairness, that is a perfectly sane way to look at data entry, so... Yeah, but, you know, not, not everybody thinks that way. Some people are like, okay, well, this is my task and this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to do the best job I can. And that's so useful because it means that I never have to do data entry, but it always gets done. Hmm. Um, I mean, that does that sounds like a non-issue to me. Sounds like you have yeah. that solved. <laughs> but, so, but I do think it's important to like embrace that, like, um, you know, that need for novelty, right? In psych, you would say that we're both probably pretty high need for novelty and high need for cognition. Yeah, I would say so. Although it's funny because... There's no way, there, nothing about us from the outside probably indicates that aside from general quirkiness, given that we are both uh, introverts to one degree or another and um, <laughs> have to take, I mean, I do this podcast, I make it sound, I, just based on my conversations with Matt and other people, it, I, this podcast makes me sound really outgoing, but it is exhausting. <laughs> going and doing like I last on Labor Day weekend or what people would normally call Labor Day weekend. I, it was just a social obligation fest. I went to a concert and I went to, uh, what is it? I don't even remember what I did. I went to a restaurant and a concert and I think I had a board game. Yeah. I went somewhere for board games. That's a total of three things that took a total of like six hours over five days. That was enough to completely destroy all yeah. the intervening time. Yeah. Like it did it did a number on everything else 
over that weekend to have those three comparatively short obligations. Yeah, I wonder if that isn't similar for us, actually. I wasn't, I wasn't thinking that because when people meet me socially, they imagine that I have this really, like, dangerous, like, uh, out-of-control uh, life of um, crime and sex and drug use. Um, when people meet me at work, they think that I'm, like, on average 10 years older than, six years older than I am. People think I'm in my mid-30s. Oh, I get, um, I get that shit all the time. Yeah, in in work context, but um, so I think that like when um, and you're also very charming in like micro social interactions. Also, like when we oh, went I out to you, you're extremely charming. Oh. Like we didn't when we went out to eat, we never had a single uh, server who didn't laugh, like who you didn't genuinely make laugh, and even uh, the millennial lady. That is burned into my mind. Oh, yeah. We had that an amazing... One, that one did not go well. <laughs> we had an amazing altercation. There was... I was oh, accused... I was accused for the first time, I think, in my life of having a Southern drawl. No one had ever bothered to mention it before. And I will admit, and you can hear this, you can hear this in the on-site recordings when I'm, like, in public. I do mutter more, and I do actually sound like I have an accent much, much more when I'm in public public where other people can hear me but all, it almost never gets commented on and this lady we were at some i think it was an italian cafe of some kind i forget uh, yeah it was mediterranean mediterranean there we go yeah it was mediterranean place and it was so great because she seemed like she was just a shy semi-competent waitress and then we were having conversations and she was missing all my jokes that i was trying yeah. to jab in her general direction some of which were maybe a little harsh for a whatever saturday afternoon but yeah they i mean i I did make like a murder joke but the um (laughs) but it was great we were leaving it was me it was alicia it was thomas thomas hightower which is the reason that alicia and i are talking right now is connection through thomas we were all there and i think her words were literally you millennials (laughs) yeah i think she actually said that and it was was not a fan it was wonderful yeah it was wonderful yeah i I don't know if thomas has the same read on the situation but i i adored (laughs) that i will i've been taking that forward i forgot about her completely that's a shame Um, and so i think in these like social interactions like the amount of like putting your social face on that we both do is like so much more extreme that it becomes more draining like we're like more interested in being charming and funny oh oh, without question like i don't this is not a natural thing i have to work at this and i feel like that effort pays off but it's taxing it's very taxing Yeah. yeah so i'm i think that's the same like productivity thing and skill building thing where we're looking at social interaction as if it's this uh i mean i'm definitely guilty of this where i I just like look at it as something that i can improve like i'm so much happier socializing if i can work on a skill yeah while i'm doing it absolutely um and if it's about building that skill and if i can't do that then the skill that i'm working on is socializing (laughs) which people don't like uh you know those people are jerks 
I don't, I didn't, I wasted the first probably 23 years of my life just sucking at social interactions. I have a lot of work to make up for. Yeah. Like these people have been doing this for a long, long time. I'm like, I've got, I only have four years of this. Like this is deliberate practice. I need to get to my 10,000 hours of talking to actual human beings. Yeah. Um, but you know, at this, at this time, like for the, probably the last uh, couple months, you've had a way more active social life than I do. Um, not without trying though. Yeah. I mean, this, the, this is no accident. The number of times my to-do list has things like talk to somebody or reconnect with this person or a schedule a thing. I feel like I am overimposing on my friends at this point, scheduling stuff to put to get, but I need that because I don't, I, like I said, I feel like I'm starting from way behind. I feel like I need to make up for a ton of progress that I lost early on in my life when I was being, I, I wasn't actually so, I wasn't actually psychopathic, but I was. Pretending to be. Yeah, I was, yeah, well, and I didn't even get any of the perks of it. So <laughs> I didn't end up with a ton of shallow friends and acquaintances that I'll eventually serial or murder. Like it's not, I, I didn't, I didn't actually go through with it. I just thought it was true. And that was enough for me at the time. But now it's yeah. not, and I got to make up for lost ground. So. Yeah, I think like not knowing what other people's inner lives are like in terms of their approach to these kinds of things is really, really diminishes your ability to evaluate yourself. I'm, and that's one of the many things that I would like to be able to compensate for. Yeah. No, I mean like in general, like I don't know what other people's inner life is like too. Like, I think a lot of times people are sitting there being like, I'm such a monster, I'm such a monster. It's because they don't know that everybody else also thinks the exact same thing. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, there's, there's plenty of comics that attest to that. But that's, it's, yeah. that's hard to believe. That's hard to just assume and believe and carry forward and act like it's true. I try, <laughs> but it's an academic exercise. And I certainly don't do it reflexively. Although, to be fair to us... I don't think most other people are very good at that particular part of the equation either. So, yeah, there's yeah, that's yeah. the The fundamental attribution error is a. It's called that for a reason. For those who don't know, the fundamental attribution <laughs> error is the one where you assume that your life is dynamic and then you're responsive to change, and that everyone else is essentially a token on a board uh, that has static understandings of the world and predispositions. It's the reason why your relatives can see you a decade later and go, ah, good old Alicia or good old David, <laughs> when you are not even remotely the person you used to be on the inside. <laughs> um, everybody does this. Everybody's culpable of it. Everybody has a dynamic life. It's just a pain in the ass. Like your brain developed that as a heuristic because most of the time it works just fine because social conventions mean that people have to act in a reasonable way so you can assume those things and people laugh it off when you totally miscalculate it but there's 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 benefit to it but there's also horrible downsides to just assuming that everybody's the same person all the time <laughs> yeah i that's what helps me think about it is just to think about the diversity of human experience and then if you um uh, introspect a lot and you like go really deep you um, I think you find that the surface, like, facets of your being and personality just kind of, like, fall off. Um, and 
you can imagine that other people are like that too, where everything about them changes. And if you read a lot of psych, you see how people's responses change so dramatically in different circumstances, like slightly different circumstances. Context, yeah. Yeah, make just a huge difference. So, and I especially don't like labeling people with bad qualities because I, I feel like that encourages them to act uh, up to those expectations, which is probably why part of why you thought you were a psychopath. Uh, that w- that was just because I had a, there there was I may actually dive into that more specifically at some point if I can remember any of it more but it just it just more had to do with the fact that I didn't seem in tune with anybody else I mean that was that was just a suspicion for a long while um, well, I I have never seemed in tune with anybody else and I've infrequently suspected that I'm a psychopath. Yeah, well, and that's that's where it's from. It's like, why, why does this not? Why is everybody laughing? Like, why? What is? Everybody seems really happy right now for some reason. And it wasn't like a depressed thing. It was just a, it was just a like this doesn't seem appealing to me the way it seems to be appealing to everybody else. I mean, my my classic old example was there are a lot of songs about sex. Yeah. Like there just seemed to be way too many songs about sex. Like I was clearly missing something, and it was yeah, no, it was. But no, again, that's 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 its own podcast that'll tease into the future. That. Yeah, no, yeah. that'll never actually happen. That sounds good. No, I. It's better to just hint at it. It's like I used to have a podcast okay. that I had scrapped, um, and I kept just alluding to maybe releasing it. So I was just tugging it along by a string. And th- the horrible, the horrible over truth about that was that I didn't have a scrap podcast. I have like ten scrapped podcasts, either because audio got screwed up or we just didn't we we redid a take like we haven't done one recently we've only had a couple of botched takes but i haven't like lost any but it's just the nature of this kind of stuff this is for someone who is um admiring who is i am totally missing the word i'm looking fascinated with failure there we go um Mm -hmm. podcasting ample opportunities for it to study yeah. it, to revel in it, to accept it. I wanted to uh, share this thing from the Daddy Jane that I've been thinking about the entire conversation for some reason. Okay. I, I, I can't find the actual uh, thing. I'd have to look it up. Um, but the beginning is um, everyone else is excited as though they were at a parade. I alone am expressionless like an infant before it can smile. This, that's appropriate. <laughs> that is apropos. Yeah, it's a good one. Poetry hour? We should do one of those. We shouldn't do one of those. I keep we almost... Could. I have some poems, actually. And some that's going to do it for this machinational. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll dive into that at some point, I'm sure. I do, I do too much writing for this podcast. We're going to have to do a poem thing at some point. Do you, do you write poetry? Um... No, I just write prose, but I do what I can to make it worthy of the poetic license, so. I'm planning a a journal jam pretty soon where we just, like, make some tea and spend an afternoon going through old journals and pulling out whatever we can, which is, you know, that's a bad combination of, you know, tedious, uh, fascinating, and uh, dangerous yeah, um, that sounds 
appropriate. So you're going to have, I mean, I started doing tea time over here too. I like having, it's, it, it is deliberately overly formal to call it tea time. And I think that's important for establishing that it's not supposed to be an important time. It's just supposed to be a perfunctory thing where people get together. I think that's appropriate. Yeah. Do you make tea sandwiches? I do not make tea sandwiches yet. We are only in the pilot program phase, so general. I'm about rollout. to try uh, some mini cupcake recipes, um, so I'll let you know. Because there's eggs and cheese at my house. Because oh. non-vegans living with me, and um, so I've been baking with eggs, and boy, is it easy! Yeah, when you can use an egg. Indeed, all that stuff. <laughs> all that stuff's around on purpose. It's because it's easy, fast, good, and cheap. Like, there's yeah. there's all sorts of reasons people eat that way. I'm learning. It's been so long since I had milk and eggs just, like, at my house all the time. It's, it's different. <laughs> I, I understand why people do things other than just eat protein bars. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to say you should try it, but uh, I will just, I will vouch for it as a way of life, certainly. Yeah. I have to find a good ethical source. We've wandered off the tracks. This is just a friend chat now. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. That's that's where most podcasts end. So that's <laughs> totally fine. Uh, do you want to uh, do you want to flow into some other topic or uh, do you want to wrap this up? I think we're good. I think we covered everything, right? Do you oh, we covered everything like... in the first 15 minutes. So Yeah. But there was, there was some interesting stuff there because, like, I'm very curious about how um, – about it's a good like intersection of uh, technique and a technology. Um, like I'm kind of interested in seeing what the difference is between a technique and a technology, or like when is a technology just a technique? When is it a, a you know a separate tool? Um, and so I think we could have a lot of interesting stuff to talk about just on the concept of these mental or pen and paper systems. Oh, absolutely. This, this has been, this is a year too late to start this. I mean, we, this should have been, I'm glad we finally got the ball rolling. I think we will have plenty to talk about. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm definitely going to stay on them longer and take them more seriously. I won't stay on them any longer, but I will take them more seriously. <laughs> That's a promise. Well, Alicia, thank you for being part of the Machination Log. Thank you for having me. Good morning, everyone.